Welcome back to the Taint Me Later podcast. As always, before we get started, just a quick reminder to subscribe to my Substack at noahrubin.substack.com. There you'll get three columns a week, uh, generally, directly to your email, as well as every podcast episode email directly to you as soon as they drop. Uh, Also, follow me on Twitter at noahrubin22. Uh, Make sure you also like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume it. Uh, rate it if you can, and help get the word out about that. For episode 15, which is this episode, Adam King of Fantasy Basketball International hopped on as we go through a 30-team dynasty startup. Uh, He's in that league um, with me, and we kind of discussed some of the picks that have been made, some of the unique rules that we're experimenting with, uh, as well as just general strategies that we've thought about as we've gone through the draft. So... Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. This is episode 15, and we're through Summer League. Uh, The Cavs won the Summer League championship, which means nothing outside of a great congrats to those guys that played and coached and very cool for them. Um, but now it's about three months until game starts. So there's not as much going on until probably training camp. It's kind of the dead period for most fantasy basketball people, but dynasty content doesn't stop. We're always talking dynasty and we have some dynasty startup drafts going on right now. I know I'm in two. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. Adam King is on the show, I believe, for the third time. And he's also in that draft. So we, uh, we're we going to talk about that, talk about the picks that have happened so far. We are in round six. So not, well, I guess about halfway through. Or, yeah, I guess 11 rounds, about halfway through. So enough picks have been made um, for us to get a good bit of an analysis on it. And we also were able to get some questions uh, from the members of the league about some things they'd like to see us talk about and just kind of discuss why the league is the way it is, why I reached for Wemby, you know, different fun topics for us to talk about. But Adam, first, I guess, how are you doing today? I'm um, good, Noah. Um, very, like I said, off off air very early here, uh, 7 a.m. So it's, uh, oh, look, it gets me up, it gets me going. Um means i can go into work at some point um but no good it's 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 been a fun draft so far uh and like yeah like you said there's very little content at the moment there's not not much to talk about i think the players all what training camps two months away maybe i'm not sure of the exact date but um yeah there's not going to be a lot happening uh when when the highlight is like bowl bowl signing with phoenix things like that you know it's a it's a downtime yeah. And you mentioned that it's 7 a.m. there. I know we have people in the league from multiple different time zones, multiple different mm-hmm. countries. So, I mean, it's 5 p.m. here. Um, so that's kind of one of the uh, the fun elements of doing a dynasty startup, but also a 30-team dynasty startup right now because we have people from way different time zones and an eight-hour clock. So sometimes simply because people are sleeping, hmm. it takes the whole clock. I know that's happened to you a few times so far. 
Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think you see people that I mean, we've been in a lot of drafts, obviously a lot of slow drafts. So you just get used to drafts like this where it takes weeks. But there's a few people that maybe aren't as used to it, and so they're <laughs> they're a little bit on edge when things are taking too long. And um, we'll have runs where we have eight, ten picks go off the board quite quickly, and then two picks in. 15 hours so it's yeah it, it's interesting but like i said what else are you going to do there's nothing else exactly just wait um yeah. <laughs> but you know it's still fun it's always fun i mean we don't have trades during our startup outside of just some swaps of draft position before picks are made just because it keeps things simple you know it keeps anybody from screwing over their team or having an insane team before the draft's even over. We'd like to at least everybody have a team, be done with the draft, experience that, and then, you know, destroy each other in trades and make the league completely unbalanced. So, you know, I guess, let's see, I'm looking through some of the questions, seeing if there's a good segue for that. Um, I guess the first thing we can talk about was one of them. It's the thoughts and lessons of a 30-team draft. Adam, you said this was your second dynasty league, and I believe also your second 30-team dynasty startup draft you've done. And I think that's the same for me. I've done um, – this is my second 30-team startup, and then I've done two 30-team rookie drafts for a league I took over. And then I'm also starting um, with Rhett Bauer's uh, league. He started another punts intended dynasty league. So a few startups, but – for me, 30 team drafts are just what they are. You know, you're probably not going to get a lot of guys that you like, and you're going to have to wait probably multiple days to make a pick. Um, but I think to me, the main takeaway from that is that you're going to have to reach to get guys. You're not, like, nobody's going to, oh, hopefully they'll fall to the next round. Like, no, like for me, I'm in the second slot. I'm having to wait, I believe it's 58 picks in between or 56 I forget exactly how the math works out but so there's no waiting another round and fingers crossed that they fall because they're long gone at that point so uh, i guess what's do you kind of feel the same way about that is there anything else that you've taken away so far from doing i guess your second 30 team startup uh oh look same similar thoughts i mean it's yeah if, if you want a guy you've you've got to take it and i mean like you said, you've got the 50, 56, 58 picks, whatever it is, between your picks. But you even got sniped on the other way around where mm. there were only four picks or two picks. Or <laughs> yeah. two, two picks between. Two picks. Um, and you got sniped. So it's, yeah, there's sniping all over the place. And, I mean, that's, that's evident in the chat room as well. Um, everyone's taking each other's picks, that sort of thing. So, yeah, look, I mean, if you want your guy, you've just got to grab him. Um, it's, I don't know, for me, the interesting part of Dynasty, being very new to it, is understanding the the balance between production and age. So having a look at the age of someone and what they're producing now and trying to go, okay, well, they're not in a great spot now, but I could see them being a really good player if they land somewhere else or in a few years if the I don't know, like if a certain player is off that team, they'll move into a starting role. So there's a lot of layers to Dynasty. It's not as simple as, hey, what's this guy going to do next year? Um, so that 
I don't know, that that makes picking a lot harder for me because there's a lot more to analyse. So I've when it's been my pick a few times, I've just sat in the draft room for probably 45 minutes <laughs> looking looking at stats, looking at rankings, looking at depth charts, all sorts of things, and then I make my pick and I regret it. <laughs> That's just the way it goes sometimes is, you know, you yeah. again, you, you mentioned this, you have 10 players lined up in your queue and 11 picks until you go, and then all of a sudden by the time it gets around to you, your entire queue is decimated because everybody's yeah. looking at you know, the same rankings or the same numbers and having similar ideas. So sometimes even if you set a queue, you end up having to sift through plenty of numbers. And there's been times I've had a queue set and I'm still just making sure, okay, did I miss somebody? Is there somebody that I could get Mm -hmm. here that could really help me out? And you mentioned, you know, sometimes guys are too young to produce next season, but maybe in three seasons they can, but there's other teams that look at it the exact opposite way. I know we had a team, we haven't talked about um, any of the picks yet, but there was a team I wanted to start with um, at who had the 14th pick, Sully 2 dj is his username on Fantrax, that went first three rounds, Steph, LeBron, Paul George. So some guys are just going for it all. Hopefully it's mm. not going for it all and then the, leaving the league. I don't think that's what it is. I'm hoping that's not the case, but there's a there's a real chance that if those guys are healthy, that's a uh, that's an easy championship year one. Yeah, that's right. I I do think if if you're new to Dynasty and you just want to get that winning feeling, it's a bit easier because you can just a lot of those guys are available. Like Chris Paul didn't go till super late, um, but you I think he. I mean, I I don't know where he went. I've got the draft room here, he went, but I know uh, six it was, one. Yeah. Okay. So round six. So one hundred and eighty. You getting a guy at 180 that could average seven assists and 1.3 steals that can that can be in a league like this that can be sort of game changing. So there is an opportunity if you just want to come in and win it to to do that. Um, and, and some people do, I guess. That's at least then you can say you won the the inaugural Tank Me Later Dynasty League. Exactly. That's that's something that should go in your Twitter bio if if you're asking me. I think think so. (laughs) Um, So we'll go and go through. I know there's some other questions that I definitely wanted to get to and talk about, but right now I want to go through, and this might end up being a pretty good segue in some of it. Just the top, since you picked nine, we'll go through the top ten picks of the draft. It it went Jokic at one. Uh, I took Victor Wembanyama at two, Luca at three, Lamelo Ball at four, Tyrese Halliburton at five. SGA at six, Jason Tatum at seven, Anthony Edwards at eight, Cade Cunningham, you took him at nine, and Giannis went 10. What was, I'll ask you first, what was going through your mind, I guess, after we do the uh, 100-yard dash, and it says you have the ninth pick, who are a few players that you're like, okay, I could see them going there, I'm going to add these couple guys to my queue, or was it always Cade Cunningham no matter what? Uh, no, look, it was, I mean, you always hope that someone falls, um, but that didn't happen. Like maybe Tatum falls, maybe people sort of go for these these younger guys and forget about Tatum, but that didn't happen. Um, for me, it was probably going to be, uh, let me just go back and have a look. So I was, it was probably Edwards or Cunningham were, were the two guys I was looking at there. Um considered Trey Young just because he's 
really good in two categories, really strong. Um, but I don't know. I really like Cade. I'm, I'm ending up with Cade in quite a few leagues, both draft, redraft and um, and this dynasty one. So I've got him in a few places. And I don't know. I, I could be shooting myself in the foot a bit because he's not he's a little bit unproven but but i think the upside is there and so um yeah i was pretty happy to get Cade there yeah i love kate's upside i think that there's a chance that if we're doing startups next season he's going top five even so i mean if that's that's kind of what you're going for i guess yeah in, uh, yeah in dynasty is it somebody that's gonna be picked top five and in, in redrafts leagues for the next five years or so so we'll see i think it's definitely a good pick i would have absolutely taken him there um, I went Wemby at two, and we actually one of the questions that people asked was, "Please, please, Noah, explain this because it doesn't make sense. Why would you take Wemby over Luca?" And the only reason is that I wasn't able to get Wemby in any other dynasty league that I'm in because lottery odds didn't fall my way, so I wasn't able to get him in my dynasty rankings that I published. I have Luca at two and Wemby at three. I would agree, Luca over Wemby. But I just wanted him because I'm not going to get him in any redraft leagues. I'm not going to reach for him there. So I was like, I have the number two pick. There's not many leagues that I'm probably going to join where I'm going to get that high of a pick that often. I mean, in uh, Rhett's punt intended league, I have picked 22. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not getting him there. So I was like, okay, like let me just go ahead and get Wemby. And then it made uh, building my team fun. So we'll we'll go through our teams that we've drafted so far. Um, I went Okongwu, Tari Eason, Derek White, AJ Griffin, and Grady Dick are my six picks so far. Honestly, I was like, okay, Wemby is going to, you know, be incredible. But he's going to do a lot of – he's going to block a lot of shots. So I was like, okay, what else can I do to uh, help him out there and get – blocks and and defensive stats was kind of my my goal here so Kongwu when he gets into a starting role could be this season that's should be blocks there Tari Eason defensive stats Derek White threes and defensive stats um he's one of the best shot blocking guards in the league obviously we'll get into this a little bit it's five flex spots no position so I didn't really have to do that but I really like Derek White this year I think I'm gonna probably reach for him and any redrafts I do. Um, AJ Griffin, also I'm a Hawks fan, so I had to get Okongwu and AJ Griffin. Loved their upside. And then Grady Dick as well. Um, I just felt like he was falling too far for a rookie taken in the lottery. So got some threes, got some blocks, um, got some young guys with some upside. That's kind of a, I don't know. Adam, what do you think of my draft so far? Yeah, look, Wemby at two is... Yeah, he's probably at three in most rankings, but in a dynasty mock draft that I did, I had the second pick and I took Wembenyama as well. So, um, <laughs> and for that very well. same reason, I just wanted him on my team. That yeah. I know I was reaching probably. It was a mock um, draft, but you just wanted him. That's right. So I, I don't really have him because it's not a real team, but I just want to have him on our team this season. So I'll probably keep doing drafts until I get him. Um, <laughs> and I I may or I may already have him in a draft-only league. I'm not sure if I do. Um, so, no, look, I, I like Wemby there. A Kongwu, I mean, I'm super high on him. If if the Hawks do end up moving off of Capella and getting Siakam, um, 
I think Dr. A and I spoke about this, uh, spoke about it with someone else too, that, yeah, if, if, if you get a Kongwu and, and Siakam um, as the, the bigs in Atlanta with Trey, DeJounte, and then you've got these young guys, um, DeAndre Hunter to some degree, but AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, they could be a really fun team, I think. So I like a Kongwu there. Um, Tari Eason, we know, I mean, he's going to be good eventually. Maybe not this year, but I mean, he'll play. He'll play, definitely play. But um, a few years if he's starting. Uh, Derek White, yeah, he'll be good. Um, AJ Griffin, I like him. I was actually looking at him with my pick there where I took, well, I took Jaden Hardy when we look at my team, but I was looking at AJ Griffin. Um, and then, yeah, Grady Dick, I think he's in a really good spot um, to, to, he's got an opportunity to play big minutes in Toronto. Everything that I that I've done so far is entirely reliant on the Hawks trading DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella to bring in Pascal Siakam, and then Toronto blowing it up so that Grady Dick can start, AJ Griffin can maybe start if they trade away DeAndre. So I'm entirely reliant on this trade. If it doesn't happen, I might be screwed. But if it happens, I'm in a good spot. Yeah, um, definitely. So why don't you walk us through, I guess, the picks you've made, the six picks you've made, and I guess kind of. Some of your thoughts behind why you made those picks. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I took Cade Cunningham at nine, which we we mentioned before. Uh, second pick, I took Brandon Ingram, Markel Fultz, <coughs> excuse me, Markel Fultz, Austin Reeves, Jaden Hardy, and then Jalen Johnson. So for me, I mean, Cunningham, um, for, well, this, I mean, this is always a bit of a segue into one of the other questions, which was why are we doing flex only and not having centres, forwards, guards? Um, for me, I've done a couple of leagues like this. I did some last season. I I love a league like this because I love to punt, and so if there's no positions, you can you can draft five, eight, eleven guards if you want, which is pretty much what I've done. I mean, they're technically not all guards, but um, so when I went with Cade, I sort of went, okay, well, this is a really deep league, so I'm just going to lean into what Cade is good at, points, assists, a um, little bit of defense, some threes, so I'm going to go guard heavy, which is why I went with uh, Ingram. Um, I actually wanted Maxi there, but he went the pick before, so couldn't go with him, and I was looking at an Ananobi as well, um, but he went like four picks before. So, and that was just to try and get some steals. But um, I ended up going with Ingram because he'll get me some assists. He'll get me some threes. He's good from the free throw line. Points are really hard to get in any league. Once you get, the, the deeper you get, points become almost impossible. So that's why I went with Ingram as well. I think he's got some nice scoring upside. Then I went with Fultz, um, assists and steals. But like I said off air, I'm a little bit worried with what Orlando are doing, um, drafting Anthony Black. They've got a lot of guards. So I'm, I'm hoping that Fultz is starting and playing 32 minutes a night because I think if he is, then he'll really help my team. Uh, Austin Reeves, I don't know what number I got him at, but we're at fourth, fourth round. Um, I really like what he can do this year, a bit of scoring, assist upside. Um, again, solid from the free throw line. Jaden Hardy, he's probably one that I'm a little bit sort of 
I don't know, cautious if that's the right word, but I'm not sure how much he plays this season. But I'm also thinking that Kyrie Irving misses a month for something at some point during the year and Hardy might start. But, but Hardy's looked good in his uh, minutes. And then I took Jalen Johnson, who I'm really high on in Atlanta. So, um, yeah, look, I like my team, but we'll see. As, as with all of these teams here, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I like it so far. I mean, you mentioned, or we mentioned, Cade is an incredible talent. I don't think you could have gone wrong there. I mean, it's also, I think it's pretty hard to have a top 10 pick and and have a bad pick, I guess, unless, uh, I don't know. I feel like that. But um, Brandon Ingram, late second round. I mean, we know what type of talent he is. If he's healthy, he's going to be much yeah. better than that. Health is uh, a bit of a worry with him. It is, but I think the talent's there enough that it's like, especially late second round in a 30-team league, it's like, yeah, okay, I can take that there. Fultz, yeah. whether it's with Orlando or maybe a different team, I mean, he's go- we've seen what he can do last season. Mm-hmm. Finally, he was able to have like a full, healthy, really good season. So even if Anthony Black's their future, I think Fultz, maybe it's somewhere else, but I think he's a starter. Reeves just got a contract. I think he's a long-term starter in the league and in the fourth round, that's you know, kind of what you're going for guys that are going to play and play a lot, especially like he's also still young. Jaden Hardy may, we'll see what his minutes are like this year, but within the next few seasons, I mean, he's an elite scorer. You, you definitely hit that scoring archetype in the first uh, five rounds with getting plenty of that. So as you said, scoring is hard to find late, but you found him. What is that fifth round? So it's like 142. So yeah, it's pretty good there. And then Jalen Johnson, a Hawk, so, of course, I'm going to like him, but also um, potentially they're a starter playing 20 to 25 minutes per game off the bench uh, behind Sadiq Bay with John Collins gone. So unless they trade for Siakam, then that may throw a little bit of a wrench in there. Mm. But, but long term, again, that's what you're looking yeah. for in Dynasty is not next season, but five years from now. I mean, he was at one point, I want to say like the number six player or was expected to go like top six in that draft. And then mm. he had issues at Duke and kind of slid down draft boards. But I mean, that's, he's a talent. <laughs> mm. Yeah. We saw he, he played a little bit down the stretch last season and, and was good in the, in the time he, he sort of played 20 minutes a game there for a while and was getting steals and hitting some threes. So yeah, look, I, I hope, I hope for Atlanta's sake that they do, get uh, Siakam, and, and I'm not sure how that'll impact Jalen Johnson, but I don't know. Common sense, I hope, prevails at some point and he's playing big minutes. You you would think. I mean, it's hard to find common sense in the NBA, but... It is. Um, so with the idea of a five flex, for me, I mean, you mentioned it's fun. It's fun to punt. It opens up flexibility. That was kind of my thoughts with doing it. I haven't done a league like this, so I was like, I don't know. I just wanted to add some fun wrinkles because I think that's what makes fantasy fun and it should be mm. fun. And it's just trying things. So I was hoping that it worked out. Um, I'm hoping that people are having fun with that. Rhett brought up a good point when I was talking to him about it. He said that, you know, if people are punting too hard, maybe it restricts trading a little bit, but hopefully not. I hope not either. There's also 30 teams. So hopefully everybody can find at least one or two trade partners. Um, we'll see. Hopefully that doesn't restrict any trading or make people not want to trade uh, because people are punting too hard and certain guys just don't fit their team. So 
Mm. We'll see. Hopefully not. Hopefully it'll be fun. But that was the idea of this was just for it to be fun. Uh, the other fun rule that I threw in was the lottery system, which let me pull it up. So I guess every league has, or most dynasty leagues have a lottery in place for the rookie draft kind of discourages teams from flat out tanking and getting the number one pick just like it does in the real, like real life from mm. the NBA prevents teams from losing. Well, discourages teams from just losing on purpose and still coming away with the top player because we would have seen some teams potentially go oh and 82 this season for Victor Wembanyama <laughs> to be in their team if there was no lottery like for being honest like there yeah. we would have probably seen a single digit win team <laughs> yeah. which is crazy but um so the way this works and I'm probably not going to go through well I guess I can so it'll be the 30th place but last place second to last and third to last each will get 10 lottery balls there's a total of 100 lottery balls they'll all get 10 uh the next three teams will get eight next two get five next one gets four the next five i believe get three and that's all the teams that don't make the playoffs so if you come close to making the playoffs but you're like one of the last few teams out um then you get three a three percent chance at the number one pick and unfortunately, because I absolutely would have done this, but Fantrax doesn't have an option for a play-in tournament because I think that would be just fun mm. for the idea of fun. Um, no real anything to it other than it would be cool. And then every playoff team gets one lottery ball. And then if you win the championship, you get another lottery ball. So if you win the championship, basically you get two lottery balls. So you have a 2% chance at getting the number one pick. And then if there's any sort of tanking violation for each time it happens, you lose a lottery ball. So if you tank all the way for the number one pick, but you, I guess, don't set a lineup, you won't have a chance at the number one pick. So that's just the way it'll work. And then I believe that lottery will cover just for the, or for the top eight picks, I believe I did. I don't really see where I put that in now, but I think that'll just do the top eight picks. So then the worst somebody could pick if they were the worst team in the league is nine technically, but hopefully with like a 10% chance they're still picking yeah. a little earlier. Yeah. But it's, but it's not a guarantee. So honestly, to me, it's like, no, it's not great chances. If you have a really bad team and you get the top pick, you could be the worst team and you have a 10% chance and that's not very good. But it, one, hopefully discourages people from tanking because you can tank if you want to. I just – and like that's fine by me. But, you know, just set your lineup, which is cool. But also like like what if somebody wins the championship and then has a 2% chance and then also gets the number one pick? Like it would piss everybody off, but it would be hype. It would be fun. <laughs> and that's what fantasy is. It's fun. Like just let's just throw a wrench in there. If it happens, great. Like maybe they'll get the number five pick and really get to add to their team. It's cool. It's fun. Or maybe they traded their pick to be able to add some talent to win. And the team that, you know, just sells off mm. a barely rotational player to get their pick now has the number one pick. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just a fun wrinkle to throw in. I don't know. Do you like it? Do you think it's lame? I don't know. <laughs> no, look, I, I, I think it's fine. Like, I don't think, I mean, when you, when it comes to lottery, I mean, I'm not experienced in dynasty, so I don't know if there's a, 
sort of a a method that's that's viewed as this is the right way but to me you just you make up your own rules and you do it and people run with it it's it's not they're not changing midway through the season anyone who came into the league knew these were the rules as you said i think it makes it fun i think it makes it exciting um if the yeah i mean if, imagine if whoever ends up finishing first trades away their first round pick for a player to a team that finishes third last and they then get the first and second pick somehow in the draft yeah. next season uh, like you, you just don't know so yeah look i'm i'm fine for it. honestly i didn't even pay too much attention to the rules <laughs> when, <laughs> when you asked me i just said sure like you just you figure it out on the fly and everyone's in the same boat so you just go and let let's see what happens yeah so i mean I'll tell you what, when we do the draft lottery, it's probably going to be a live event where 30 people are in there <laughs> trying to figure out what's happening. Because even if it's a 1% chance, like, I'd care. Like, what if? Like, what if it happens? Like, you just kind of hop up in there. So I would assume at least as many people as are able to be there are going to try and tune in. And it should be a, an actually like a fun event, which I don't know. I'm excited about. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to the, the rookie draft um, I don't know when you do it, but end of next end of next season, August or something, I yeah. suppose, about a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some teams start, or some leagues probably start. I know with my home league, we start the night of the draft. Like, you can start picking once a pick has, like, an NBA team has made the pick. So, yeah, right at eight PM, the guy who had the number one pick in in that league immediately just like texted in Victor Wembanyama, like, that's who I'm taking. Just. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to do it at the draft lottery. That's what. That's how early he was trying to take him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's probably when we'd do that next season, potentially after summer league, just so everybody can get a better feel for who they're taking. But yeah, if we're really having fun with it, we'll just we'll just do it the night of the uh, the draft, just because. Yeah, look, I think um, that that's actually a pretty cool thing if you just run it run it parallel to the to the real draft, um, then. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, granted, the clock's long enough that if so, whoever was on the clock, like obviously Victor Wembanyama too, I had the second pick, so I went scoot it, or Victor Wembanyama at one, scoot it two. Yeah, and then it's like pick three, like oh, like maybe I want to see who a couple picks go, and then the clock's long enough that you can wait till the next morning. It's not a big deal, but yeah, yeah. you can also just start that night, and then you're watching the draft. You're like, oh, I already have him on my team. That's cool. Yeah, so. Just fun stuff. Um, one of the other ones was a third round reversal, which I've only done in, um, I believe, in 30 team leagues. I don't know if I've done one in a, a smaller league. But to my understanding, the reason that you do it, and honestly, I didn't question it, and that's why we have one. It's not like, but I also agree with it, is that the guys that are at the top of the draft, like your Jokic, your Wemby, your Luka, their value, like there's such high value players that make such an impact in comparison to guys that are taken at the end of the first round that once you flip back around, like for example, uh, this probably isn't necessarily a great example, but uh, if we didn't have a third round reversal, it could somebody could have had Jokic, Zach Levine, and Jared Allen, or you know Jalen Duran, Fred VanVleet, Jordan Poole—those are the next 
few picks. Whereas, you know, picking last, it's Bam, Jamal Murray, and then DeMar DeRozan. So just the difference in value. Obviously, it doesn't look horrible because some guys are win now, some guys are going younger. So it may not look that bad, but uh, just the value that's held with one of those top few picks is so much more. And like, I mean, getting Jokic on your team, it's it's pretty hard to lose with that. So it's like just keeping the league balanced. That way you're not having the last pick in the draft. And, you know, then you're having somebody have the best player in the league as well as two other top 61 prospects. And then somebody having – or players, not prospects – three guys in the top 90 but only their best players in the top 30 so when you look at it like that since it's a 30 team league you know pretty top heavy the first few rounds is where you're really getting your your guaranteed players and then after that you know you're either deciding between who do i do i want a guy that's going to be solid this year or two or do i want to take a shot on a guy that could end up being nothing or be end up being really good so it just helps keep the league balanced. That's my understanding of it. Adam, I don't know how many other leagues you've done third round reversals for, or if it's just dynasty or just bigger leagues or what your experience is with that. Yeah. I think in dynasty, you have to do it. Um, I have done it in just some redraft standard sort of 12, 14 team leagues. And for me, I think it's, I mean, that similar thought process. I think if you look at your top, I mean, coming into every season, there's always a top six, top eight, but, most analysts will have the same players in their top six or top eight. The order might shuffle slightly, and I think it's going to be similar again this season. But I think if you're landing a top <clears throat> a top six pick or a top eight pick, you the the difference between a guy in that range, so someone like a I don't know, like a Steph Curry last season, the difference between him and then oh, I don't know who I can't even remember who what the ADPs were like last season, but it's like a oh, gosh, uh, yeah, I can't remember. But some like a guy who goes at um, twelve compared to a guy that goes at three. Um, so if you look at the difference between Shea and even Shea and Jason Tatum last season, Shea was significantly better. When you look at pure value, that sort of thing, like obviously that you you don't factor in team build and. I'm not looking at games played or anything like that, just pure value. And I think, obviously, as <clears throat> as you get further down through the draft, the gap between tiers and the gap between players narrows quite significantly. So the top 40 players, the difference between, say, the fifth player and the 35th player is pretty significant. You get down towards the bottom the difference between the, I don't know, the 65th player and the, what, 95th player can be basically nothing. It's It comes down. So if, you're, if you've got the advantage of getting someone like a Jokic or an Embiid right at the top there, to then get someone who's still significant, like really good at pick, what would you have, 30 in a, just in a standard league, normal 12-team league, it, it's unfair. Like it's and you, and you would usually see those teams win. Uh, it's not always going to happen because we don't know about injuries. But then you stretch that out to a thirty-team league, and it's even more pronounced. So, if you've got pick twenty-eight in a dynasty league, 
there's a big difference between the 28th player and the fifth player. So to reward someone who gets the fifth pick with then the 65th pick, I, I just, yeah, I think that's why you have to do it because it, it just it weighs it too heavily in favour of those teams that get the first few picks. Yeah, and that's, I agree. It's just fairness because, you don't you know, the, the league should be won by moves you make, picks you make, not just, oh, the 100-yard dash simulation that we did allowed me to get the top five pick or whatever. Now I have this guy who's going to be a top five fantasy player for the next 10 to 15 years. It's great. And so it's, you know, the rest of the draft, which I think it comes into play anyway. You know, it's an 11-round draft. It's not just who you get at one, but the advantage created of getting somebody like a Jokic right off the bat. It just helps keep the league even. Um, one of the other questions was about a max game limit and not having one for individual matchups and how much it actually matters. So to me, it's like, that's something that you take into account is, Oh, like this player's on a four game week. Cause it's weekly, weekly lineups. So you're, you know, setting your lineup at the beginning of the week and you need to take into account this guy plays four games this week versus, versus this guy plays two. It could affect who you have starting in your lineup that week, which is why depth is important. Instead of just having five guys that can play, you may need to sometimes bench a good player that only has a two game week versus, you know, an average player that has a four game week. Um, that's about the only impact that I could see it having, you know, maybe a team will get lucky and they have all like five guys that play four games and they're playing somebody that has three guys in their team that play two games and a couple guys that play three and the NBA schedule just screws you. And like, I feel like that happens like not often, not often do teams play two game weeks. I know last season there was a couple weeks stretch where like one or two teams would play two games. And then the next week, two different teams just happen to only play two games that week. And it, it happens, but the NBA schedule consistently, it just is what it is. And I think that's, you know, keeps basketball a little bit unique um, with just, how you need to approach it and how you need to approach lineups, which anybody who's played knows that because fantasy football, you play one game a week, fantasy baseball, you probably are playing six to seven. Um, mm. So with weekly lineups, you know, you have to have those guys in there for the weekly lineup in basketball. It's, you know, it could be anywhere from two to four games and something you need to consider. So that's about my thoughts on having a max game. Limit. I don't know if you have anything to add, Adam. No, not really. I agree. I know this season I uh, was talking with Josh Lloyd. Uh, it was a while ago now, but about because obviously last season with the resting and injuries and all that sort of thing, it's becoming a bigger I issue or, or a consideration anyway. Um, trying to come up with a rule, some sort of rule to overcome that. And, and we were sort of playing with the idea of a games cap per player not per position but i don't think i think the idea that we sort of came up with you actually can't do it on any platforms they mm -hmm. don't allow you to have that setting so i don't know yeah. how we're going to do it but i know i know josh usually puts a game cap for that reason but that's that's on a daily league not a weekly league so i think it's it is different and look again as i said <laughs> i didn't even look at the rules for this league <laughs> i just it, it is what it is, and we're all playing under the same rules. So, um, yeah, weekly, I don't like weekly leagues usually. 
Um, and this is a weekly league, is that right? Is it that is. right? It is. It is, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it is. I don't, because of that, like, oh, you, you set your lineup and then first game of the week, um, like for me, um, Cade Cunningham um, rolls his ankle in the first game, so he's done for the week. That means I'm pretty much done for the week. But I don't, I don't mind it because it's it's less to worry about for, for me. Exactly, I'm usually in so many leagues that if it's a weekly league, I just set it and forget it. Um, and like I said, everyone's playing under that rule. So while there might be a week where that happens, you might then be up against a team that has um, Shay as their best player and he does his calf in the first game and misses the week. So usually it balances out. Not always, but usually. Yeah, I mean, that was my exact thought with a weekly league is you set your lineup once at the beginning of the week, then you don't have to really worry about it. Plus, honestly, Fandrax is great for for Dynasty. Obviously, it's probably the best platform for Dynasty because yeah. uh, it actually keeps track of picks and actually does normal fantasy, unlike Sleeper. Um, but I there I have frustrations with their app. So I'm like, if I have to go in and set multiple leagues lineups every single day like i'm i'm going to get frustrated so right now i have one daily league and three weekly dynasty leagues in fan tracks which is kind of the way i like it so hopefully i won't have to make too many in-season adjustments um aside from occasional injuries but that's kind of my idea with making it a weekly league though i would agree like obviously you know having a daily lineup is probably you know but it also gets to be a grind, you know, you're setting a lineup every single morning, like if, or every single day, at least you're like trying to keep up with that, keep up with players randomly getting scratched before, um, you know, five minutes before, Oh, we're going to, you know, we've had him questionable mm-hmm. all day and he's been questionable before the last 15 games and he's played, but he went through warmups and he's out tonight. I mean, that's, yeah. that happens with Joel Embiid. Every, they said he's going to be questionable every single game and he will be a game time decision. He's going to warm up and then he's going to decide. So it's like, okay, I have to wake up in the morning, check my lineup, set my lineup. Okay. Best lineup there. Then at probably like 3 PM have to check my lineup. Oh, this guy's been rolled out. This, but okay, cool. Adjust. And then again, at this is obviously Eastern time, but like 6 30 to 7 PM checking again, putting somebody in. Okay. Well shoot. This guy has the 10, 10 30 game. He's still questionable. Do I need to go ahead and bench him? Mm. So it's, you know, obviously, that's part of being a fantasy basketball manager is you're having to make these decisions, you know, but I think if you're doing that for goodness gracious, however many leagues you're in, (laughs) it gets to be a lot. So if it's a weekly league and I can't change anything, then it's out of my hands. It's just the way it is. So keeping it more manageable because of the amount of leagues that, that I'm in and I know other people are in, that was the idea behind keeping it weekly. Um, Though I think for for redraft leagues, I prefer daily and then dynasty. I even do have some daily, but it, it ends up being a lot. So, and I think in a like a league of this depth, whether it's dynasty or or redraft, usually most weeks you're only going to have seven, maybe eight guys on your roster to pick from that are actually going to play, um, because the guys we're picking at 250, 280 are going to be (laughs) young guys that may not play all season. Whereas in a redraft standard league, usually everyone on your roster is going to be playing. So 
it might be weekly, but you're only picking five from seven guys, not five from 12. So it is a bit easier. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones was what could free agency bidding? It's free agency bidding, not just like a waiver system. What could that look like in a 30 team league, especially in dynasty? Um, Adam, I'll let you start. What do you, what do you imagine? How do you plan to kind of budget your allocated dollars to pick up potential guys in the waiver wire? Uh, look, I think in a, Again, I'm not super experienced in this, but I would think that there would be fewer be fewer fewer transactions or fewer players added, but they would be for more money. So, because I don't know what our budget is. Again, I didn't look at the rules. Hundred dollars <laughs> might be. Is it a hundred dollars? Is that our budget? Man, I, would, I, mean, I wish I could just say is. you should have read the rules, but I, I should have read the rules. Off the top but... of my head. But uh, even, I didn't remember off the top of my head, so I think it's a hundred. Yeah, okay. Say it's a hundred dollars. Okay, so a hundred dollars <laughs> in a redraft league, you might sort of bid five dollars for a guy or six dollars to to try and get this this guy, and someone outbids you at eight dollars. I think in a in a dynasty league, the waiver wire is just going to be in a in a thirty team. We're going what is it eleven rounds? Eleven uh, rounds. So it'd be three hundred thirty players. Three hundred and thirty players. There is not really going to be much on the waiver wire. Occasionally, a guy will pop up who we haven't heard of, or I think last year Chris Dunn was probably one. He wasn't because he wasn't even on a team, so he wasn't drafted in, I think, a dynasty league. And then when he started playing, I think someone got him for like eighty bucks because, hey, he's someone who's actually playing, who's available. So I don't think there'll be many. There won't be a lot of chopping and changing like there is in a standard redraft kind of league or, or just a standard league. Um, but when someone does come up, the bidding is going to be intense and and high because, um, because yeah, you, you end the season, What if you've got your $100 left, then it, like so what does it matter? Just bid 50 bucks because there's not going to be yep. someone else to bid on. That's exactly my thought is that if we're starting the league and for some reason there's somebody out there that doesn't get drafted and ends up being a rotational piece and they're like really young, okay, like they're probably going to be a starter or they're able to earn a starting job quickly. I'm throwing my entire hundred dollars and hoping I get them. Like if they're better than somebody I have on my roster currently and have more upside, I have to just try and add them because of the scarcity of the waiver wire. But if, you know, I think a lot of people are probably going to do that. So say I don't get this player, then if I'm, you know, a winning team and I'm like in the playoff hunt and get down towards the end and there's somebody sitting on my bench that, you know, could be a good prospect, but they've been in the G league all season. And then injuries happen. It's silly season. Random guys are just playing. I might, you know, just drop just to pick up somebody that's actually playing get them on my roster to help try and compete for a championship, probably dropping a hundred dollars of my hundred dollar waiver budget right there. So I can't imagine there's going to be many transactions that are low dollar transactions. I think that everybody would be putting down large sums of their budgeted money for free agents. Every time somebody becomes available, just because like you said, scarcity, like, 
most of the guys that are on the waiver wire aren't seeing actual NBA minutes when there's 330 players rostered. I mean, if you think about it, probably the average NBA team plays seven, eight guys, big minutes, probably mm-hmm. 10 guys in total. And we're rostering 11 guys each. So <laughs> we're yeah. having guys on our roster that are not seeing NBA minutes. So that's just the way it's going to be probably. Um, yeah. yeah. Like for so me, it'd be so- someone like a, um, a Bri- uh, what's his name? Bryce McGowan or whatever, the guy in Charlotte. That's his name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The yeah. guard. He may not mm-hmm. get picked in this dynasty league because he probably won't play this season. But halfway through the season, LaMelo might do something. They don't have Dennis Smith. They, You, you just don't know. McGowan's might then go, okay, we're going to play you as our backup 20 minutes a night. People And, and LaMelo's out for three months. People are going to be 50, Ooh. 60 bucks on McGowan. I hope that doesn't happen. I really hope yeah. that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, on wood here. Yeah, but but there will be some guys like that that just they don't get drafted, and but things the stars align and and a, an opportunity opens up for them, um, and and they start playing meaningful minutes. Then people are going to bid sixty bucks, fifty bucks on those guys. Yeah, so we'll just see what happens. But uh, yeah, I would imagine kind of what we've been saying. Not a ton of small waiver wire picks, a lot of large amounts of money thrown down. So if you want a guy, you got to go all in to get him. Um, the last kind of question we had was about reaches and value picks, and I saved it for last just because I feel like it's either going to be a lot to talk about or maybe not much <laughs> at all. We'll just kind of see if there's uh, anybody that we're like, well, that was definitely a reach if we want to be mean to anybody or if we want to just talk about um, some picks that have been good picks so far. So we'll start positive. Um, what was, I guess we'll just go one at a time back and forth. What was a pick that you saw that you're like, wow, I can't believe that guy fell that far. That's, that's insane. Um, all right. So I'm just going through now. Um, I, I was surprised. I mean, this is, very high, and he didn't fall that far. But I was surprised. Surprised Shay went at six. I thought he'd go earlier mm-hmm. than that. Um, yeah. All right. I know there were some guys around my picks um, who went a little later. So I thought. I don't know. I think some of the rookies came off a little later than I thought they would. Um, I, th- I thought getting a Kongwu at 59, your pick of a Kongwu, I, I'm surprised he was still there. I, I'd be taking him top 40 in a dynasty league. Um, wow. Uh, who else have we got down here? Um, I don't know if that's low. I, lo- I like Trey Murphy. He went at 72. Um, I was looking at him with my pick. Uh, well, I was hoping he would get back to me where Fultz was, but I I wasn't sort of confident at all. Uh, but I'm pretty high on on him. Um, well, again, your Tari Eason pick, man, you've got some good picks. Miles Bridges at 91, I thought was interesting. I think that's a he redraft or dynasty. I think he's going to be interesting this year because year before last, he was a top 30 player, and he's only. What is he? Twenty five. He's not that old. I don't. Something I don't like know that. He's the twenty eighteen draft class. So yeah. So so he's twenty five ish. So 
theoretically not even in his prime yet. And I mean, think what you will about all the off-court stuff. We we don't need to talk about that. But from a fantasy perspective, he could be a top forty guy for multiple seasons. To get him at ninety in a dynasty league is, uh, I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, as I scroll through, uh, I don't know. There are a couple that jump out to me. Have you got Have you got any listed there? While I go through and have a look. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, I can kind of talk about a few that you just mentioned. With uh, you know, I, I feel like that four to six range with uh, SGA, Halliburton, and Lamelo. I put up a poll on Twitter um, yesterday, I believe, where I just asked, like, "Hey, who would you kind of take in a startup between these guys?" And I expected it to be very close to a 33-33-33 split, but so far, you know, there's 373 votes when I'm when we're recording. 42.9% for Tyrese, 40.2% for SGA, and 16.9% for LaMelo. So wow. I would have personally taken LaMelo at four mm-hmm. over Halley and SGA um, just because of, I think, the upside. I think there's a fair thought process of SGA just finished third, and I think Halliburton finished eighth. Like, why would we take LaMelo over them? But I think it's just the upside of LaMelo. Um but I also don't think you can go wrong with any of those three uh, right there in those in that spot. Um, there was one I thought I was looking at. Um, but now I'm not able to remember it. So if you have anything. <laughs> no, I'm just looking through it now. So what do you think of – so a couple of players here that – and I think where they went is fine, but I'm just curious on on what you think they're, well, short-term, long-term, both. Walker Kessler at 34 and Alperen Sengun at 40. Um, what are you sort of thinking about? I know Sengun, I mean, he's been sort of this, a pretty polarising kind of player for a couple of seasons now. Um, is he someone that, you, that you're, you're still sort of high on or are you losing a bit of faith that that he's ever going to I mean he's only it's his third year so I mean it's still very early in his career but I don't know I know yeah. in my um where did I do it I don't know I did something somewhere and I and I <laughs> likened I likened him a little bit to Sabonis and Jokic just in the way that he plays I said I was very clear he is not Jokic or Sabonis <laughs> he's not that good but we saw last season when they were down players and they didn't really have guard options and they ran the offense through Shingun. he was able to play as the primary facilitator and he looked really good. Is he someone that you're still pretty high on? So we'll actually just talk about that range a little bit um, just because with Kessler at, uh, I think it was 34, uh, Lori Markin at 37 and Shingun at 40. So in my rankings, uh, I had Markinen at 19, which I think is higher than most of the rankings I've seen, which is fine. Kessler at 26 and Shengun at 39. So if we start with Kessler, I thought that was really good value. I would have taken him in the first round. Um, that's actually one of my uh, friends from college, and he was texting me about like who he should take. And he's like, do you think I could get like Jalen Williams and then Kessler on the flip? I was like, you can do that. Like That would be insane. Like, there's no reason he should be able to get both those mm-hmm. guys coming off the rookie seasons that, J- that they just had. No way. So, but he was able to get him. So I was like, very surprised. Um, 
great value there for 34 to get Kessler there. Um, like I said, he was 26th in my rankings. Marking at 19, I think that uh, – I don't even remember what he finished last season, but really good. Um, and I don't think – I mean, he benefited from playing a larger role and you know not having much other talent in Utah. But I don't – I think he's kind of their guy unless they luck into a lottery pick and end up getting a top, you know – one or two pick and end up having somebody else to build around. But I think he is their guy and he's going to be continue to be really, really good in fantasy for the foreseeable future. So I liked that pick a lot. I thought that was good value at 37. And then for Shangun, I am at 39. So I thought that was like, that was a fine place to take him. Um, to me, it's, there's so many question marks. I mean, the talent is there, no doubt about it. You can run an offense through him. He can facilitate well. He can score. He has good post moves, shoot it a little bit. Is he Jokic on offense? Probably not. Is he Sabonis on offense? Probably not. But he's like, you know, he has that style of game where he projects to be similar. The question is, what is he doing defensively? Not getting what's, is he getting defensive stats? But like, is he able to play defense well enough from the center spot? Uh, to stay on the floor. Cause I think as of now, I mean, I don't think there's really much of a question. He's going to start at center, but is he going to sure. start and play 26 to 28 minutes this season? Or is he going to start and play 32? Or does I mean, Yudoka feel like, Oh, our defense is better when he's off the floor. I have been preaching defense since I was coaching Boston. We have five potential all NBA defenders. I mean, maybe not five, but um you know, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, so three other guys that are athletes that want to get out and run. But mm. if we're playing Shangun, he wants to sit in the half court. So the talent, yes, I think top 40, absolutely. But when is when is that going to actually come into fruition? You know, is it is it this season or is he going – or is, I guess, the rest of the team going to be able to make up for – I mean – let's just face it, he's not a dominant rim protecting shot blocker. That's going to, no. you know, he's not the best defender on the team. He's not a top, whatever defender, but is everybody else playing good enough defense that it doesn't matter. So is he able to still play 30, 32 minutes when they're not running the fast break, they just give him the ball and kind of like let him create. Is that what his role looks like? Or is it, we have to play him cause he's good, but he really doesn't play well and fit well with the rest of our team and what we want to do so we're going to limit his minutes. So like it, it's mm-hmm. there's question marks about that, but I think undoubtedly the talent is there for him to be top 40. And I mean, we see how good Sabonis and Jokic are in fantasy. It's only Shingun. I think you said going into his third season or was, mm-hmm. was it just, no, he's going into his third season. Third, so yeah. he's, he's still so young. It might be a couple of seasons before, but I'm not saying again, I think we're on the same page here. He's we're not saying he's going to be the next Jokic, but he has no. similar talents. And maybe it's that he's a, a European big man that can pass, but he has similar attributes that we can see him potentially getting somewhat kind of close to there. So the talent is great. I I have questions about what that looks like. Is it in Houston that he gets there or is it mm. somewhere else? I think that's kind of and like how long it takes. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that same questions for me. I think we've seen the talent 
the fact that they were rumored well rumored i don't know if there was it was confirmed but they were going after brooke lopez so to me that sort of i don't know it raises a bit of a red flag of how they view him do they view him as their center of the future or are they just viewing him as hey we've got him we'll play him but if if a better option comes along we'll snap it up um, and as you said, like Houston now, are arguably the deepest team in the league, I think, into, at least from a fantasy perspective. Um, and they're, they're going to be quick. They're young. Shingun's young, but I wouldn't call him quick. Um, and, and so I don't know how he fits in what they want to be doing offensively as well. You're just throwing him at the top of the key there and getting the ball to him. I think, yeah, he, he's you wouldn't view him as this guy that can get up and down the court quickly and, and sort of um, do pick and rolls. And, and I, I don't know, he's an odd fit. I, I would love to see him in another team, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that he figures things out. And he is one of those guys defensively. He's not a great defender. We know that, but a little bit like um, James Harden or, uh, I don't know, there's a few other players, but Harden comes to mind, who's, who's not a great defender but still seems to rack up defensive stats. Shengun does that. Uh, he was 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks last year, I think, from memory. That's all right. If you, like com- two combined steals and blocks, y- you'll take that from most guys. Um, so, yeah, while he's not a great defender in, in real life, he'll still get you some defensive stats in fantasy. So that's at least something that you can fall back on. He'll he'll just fall into a block. And I saw a thing on Twitter or something that he's actually grown. Um, he's yeah. up to six foot, six foot 11 now. So, um, yeah, man, I wasn't growing at that age. I think I was shrinking already. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess NBA players just get lucky or something. I don't know. Maybe they just well, when, I think Wemben Yama is still growing, isn't he? He's massive now. <laughs> I mean, like, he's 19, so I kind of – or maybe 18 still, so I kind of hope he's still growing. But also it's like, how? That's kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, if he yeah. gets even taller, like if he's – what is it? I think Manu Bowles the tallest ever play in the NBA, 7'7". Seven seven. Him and uh, – wasn't there somebody else? I yeah, like... there was um, – Murasan, I think, was pretty tall. Okay, Pure, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I think the tallest ever drafted was seven foot eight, but he never played a game. If Wemby gets up to like seven seven or that's me spitting random facts from ten years ago, so I could be totally wrong. Um, But if Wemby gets to like seven foot, I mean, was he typically seven five with shoes on? If he gets to seven seven or seven eight with shoes on, that would be. (laughs) I don't even just shooting step back threes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other picks. I'll make fun of some of my college friends that are in here. Um, let's see. So, Keldon Johnson uh, started the fourth round, probably a little early for me, um, just because he doesn't do anything but score and hit threes. Like he doesn't do deep, any sort of defensive stats. He doesn't shoot a high percentage. So. But then again, I guess if I'm looking at his team, that's kind of a lot of those guys is not very many defensive stats and not shooting a high percentage. So I guess that's a eh, maybe it's not too early. Um, let's see. Derek Lively went four eight, so I think that's ninety eight. Um, I was talking, or I guess Josh was Josh Lloyd was posting about rookies that could start. 
And I said, hey, I think Derek Lively has a chance. And he said that he was told that uh, Lively's not even like close. He's bottom of the barrel of their rotation. I forgot the exact words he used, but kind of like he's definitely not going to start. And like, I guess he hasn't shown them much through the first few weeks there. Still, I guess, a good talent, but I don't know if he's even – how much he's going to play as a rookie. So that might have been a bit of a reach. I don't know. Like I yeah. said, I'm just making some fun of some of my friends here. Uh, Clint Capella went fourth round, uh, so that's 113, and he might not even start ever again. So maybe that's a reach. Um, and Witty in the fourth round as well. I guess I just didn't like all my friends' fourth rounds. Um that's fair. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he uh, didn't really get assists, but he also destroys your field goal percentage, and he really wasn't able to do much else at times, especially towards the end of last season. Maybe he just left a bad taste in my mouth because it was consistently blurbing. Yeah, he uh, scored eight points on three for 16 shooting with 12 assists just like three weeks straight. So I was like, okay, that's just what he does now, I guess. So, yeah, yeah those are my uh, – I'll, I'll call those the reaches because I'd rather be mean to people I know um, in real life than just people I've talked to on discord or Twitter. So those are my reaches. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking through now. I think, oh, I mean, as I said, once you, once or we both said it, once you get to sort of round three, round four, you've just got to take your guys. So there are going to be some players here that go off the board, maybe 15, 20 spots higher. But if, if you, if th- this manager really wanted them, then you just take them. Um, so for me, Kevin Porter at 71 is an interesting one just because I'm not sure. Like, I think based on what we saw last year, that's probably fair. Oh, yeah. But where does he fit now? Where does he fit long-term? Uh, I don't think there's going to be teams. Like, if, if Houston sort of move away from him a little bit and, and start bringing him off the bench and he's playing 18 minutes, I don't think there are teams out there that are going to go, we need Kevin Porter on our team as our starting point guard. So I, I could be wrong. Um but, yeah, that was just one that stood out for me. I thought, oh, maybe that's a bit early. But, like I said, maybe he just really likes Kevin Porter and wanted to get him on his team. And he kind of fits the uh, the build there if we're talking yeah. about punts. I mean, he fits in well exactly with what Harden and Booker and McCollum and Barrett do, and that's score. So, yeah, fits the team. So. Um... Obviously, we can call Mikhail Bridges a reach, but I think it was an accidental reach because of uh, clock expiring and not knowing it was. Yeah, it was pick. So we'll, we'll call it a reach, I guess, if you want to. Mikhail Bridges at thirteen, but who knows? Maybe it won't be. We'll see. Um. Yeah, that's probably the main ones I'm seeing that I'm like, yeah, that's 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 a reach or that's good value, because I feel like I mean, like you said. You know, it's, it's about getting your guys. So I'm not looking through immediately and saying, oh, well, I guess this punt could work here. So maybe guys fit better and they just look like they're taken early, but they fit a team better or team direction. Like uh, the guy that went, like I was saying, Steph, LeBron, Paul George, like I probably wouldn't have taken LeBron that early in a dynasty startup. But the, if those guys are healthy, you should win the league. Uh, if they're if those yeah. guys are healthy in March, so that's that's what it is. So it's it's about team build a lot in a thirty team league. So especially with no with all flex as well. Exactly. 
But yeah, um, I think that's all the thoughts I have on our draft so far. Obviously, so we've had a few picks happen while we're talking, mm. um, which means we are about halfway through round six. And then, so I guess we're out. We're at exactly right about the halfway point, halfway through round yeah. six. So we're halfway through the draft. So that's pretty cool that we're talking about it while we're here. Maybe uh, we'll have to wrap it up in a future episode as well. And I'm sure, you know, if you are back for future episodes, assuming you're back, assuming you want to come back um, for future episodes, we can give updates on how this league is going. And uh, mm. maybe at some point talk about, oh man, like that was a really good value pick or that was definitely a reach um, halfway through next season when we have a better idea of where guys should have gone and yeah. at least, you know, if we're trying to win or lose this season. So um, yeah. do you well, have... We, we'll be able to... We'll be able to look back at, at like that that team that has drafted old and and gone mm-hmm. with um, with those old players Steph Curry, LeBron James, Paul George. Halfway through the season, we'll know exactly whether that worked or not. Yeah, there's another one uh, with Anthony Davis, Dame, Fred VanVleet, Daniel Gafford, and Marcus Smart. That's also definitely a win now team. So maybe it'll be yeah, if assuming health, those two teams battling it out for a championship and then putting getting to see who gets to put it in their Twitter bios. Since I know that's exactly what is going to matter the most to most people. It's, you know, their Twitter. It should bio. be, hey, I'm a should, be in the team. should be in the rules. I think that's a good point. You should have to put, if you finish first or you finish last, you should have to put it in your Twitter bio. I yeah. really like that. I think I might've met the rules as soon as we get done with this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I really like that now. Wow. Okay, so we're going to amend the rules. But, um, Adam, do you have any other thoughts on this draft? Or if you just want to give us, you know, your thoughts on somebody that's going to win leagues this season? Or if you don't have that yet, that's okay, too. Uh, no, look, on this draft, no, look, I mean, it's been <clears throat> it's been fun. As I said, it's only my second um, Dynasty League. So I'm just learning as I go. Um, much like I'm sure a few of these guys in the league are, are in there first as well. So, um, yeah, no, I mean we'll 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 definitely revisit it at some point. Um, the picks from from now, like we're into Xavier Tillman's going off the board and uh, Malachi Branham. So we're we're starting to get into that range now where it's you're really taking a flyer on on guys and just hoping that they land a role somehow, a significant role. So, um, no, look, it's been fun. Um, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll be in other drafts together. I mean, this, as I said, there's nothing happening. Uh, I'd like, I wouldn't mind doing a dynasty auction draft. I think that would be fun. Yeah. I think it, it would be definitely, I've never done an auction draft. I know, um, NBA dynasty prospects on twitter at ops watching has talked about doing auction drafts he's all for auction drafts and maybe you want to try it i felt like it wasn't probably good for a 30 team one but i'd definitely be down to try an auction draft just because i've never done one i think it could be fun yeah well my my home league that i'm in uh we've been going for sort of 10 years and it's a keeper league so it's not a dynasty but it's a it's a it's a it cycles so we have one keeper, then two keepers, then three keepers, then it resets. Um, and we're switching to auction this season for the first time. So uh, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I have also never – I've done – I think I did an auction draft for a friend once, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So I don't know. Maybe that's something we'll try and <laughs> – this is done is set up a an auction dynasty draft. I'm sure there'd be a, people keen to jump in. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's going to do it for what did I say? Episode 15. Yeah, episode 15 of the Tank Mulator podcast. You can find Adam on Twitter at adamking91. You can also check out his work for Fantasy Basketball International and the Balls Deep podcast uh, with Steve Alexander. But like I said, Adam, that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on again, and we'll probably chat again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, so make sure, you know, if you're listening, you made it through all the way, thank you, and feel free to like and subscribe, help share this podcast, and uh, so we can, everybody can hear our conversation about this league. So thanks for listening.